I left a traumatic past behind to move to a new state and start a new high school. But I'm in high school with no friends. Can you imagine? It's all until I meet a group of girls who I believe will be best friends forever. Until we start dabbling in the occult and things take a wrong left turn. Now, that's not my story, but it's the story of the movie we're talking about this week. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Unbound Cinefem. I'm your lovely, movie-loving host, Avery. It's great to have you all back for another episode and another week. How are you all doing? I know, of course, it's been a week since we last spoke. Unless you listened to Wednesday's episode, then, you know, you've, you've heard me twice in one week. And I appreciate that. I appreciate the support. And I'm glad that you um, find more out of this podcast than just the movie talk. Um, this week has been very eventful if you have been catching up with what was going on at the venice um film festival i just wow what what a what a classic hollywood storm that was now if you are logged off of the internet if you don't know what's going on or what was going on at one point there was a lot of drama surrounding the don't worry darling cast and a lot of speculation, and a lot of rumors, and some rumors were cleared up, while others were just further instigated, you could say. So, the initial drama was the fact that Florence Pugh was not promoting the movie the way that all of the other um, cast members were, and people started to grow suspicious, and the more details that were coming out about it, Shia LaBeouf ended up saying something about it. Olivia Wilde ended up saying something about it, but she was being very, very particular with her words in a way that was almost like, what do you mean by that? And then they had the Venice Film Festival and Florence Pugh showed up, was with the cast, just not for their panel when they were discussing it. In that panel and in those promotional interviews, Harry Styles... You know, I'm a directioner at heart, but he really... I was embarrassed. (laughs) I was embarrassed to say I'm a Harry Styles fan. If if there was an example of a musician-turned-actor, that would be him in terms of maybe just stick to singing. So yeah, he's been turned into a meme. It's It's been interesting. Anyways... Yeah, it's it's been very exciting on the internet in terms of the film world. A lot of things have been announced. There's a lot of great movies coming out. Um, I posted about it on my Instagram. If you haven't seen it, go check it out. There's a lot of great movies coming out this month. A lot of things to cover. Um, this week, I there hasn't really been anything that I've been streaming that I can think of. Yeah, no. I mean... That's the thing. I go in and out of watching TV shows and movies. And so I've just been really in the mood for, like, fall stuff. So I've been watching Gilmore Girls. Never watched it before. Yeah, you're allowed to be shocked because my mom tried to get me to watch it for the longest time. And I was like, no, it's I'm watching this right now. I'll, you know, get to it when I get to it. And now I'm at it. And I enjoy it. Don't Don't get me wrong. But it's definitely one of those things that you just kind of turn on and allow to play in the background. Like, I can't sit and stay glued to the TV to watch it. But great fall vibes. Love it. Speaking of fall vibes, this week's movie is definitely fall, autumn, Halloween-y. Um, I really want to cover a lot of fall movies just to be in the season because fall is one of my favorite seasons with all of the holidays and just the fashion and the fall culture when I I don't remember what it was that I saw but I was like oh this is the movie that I'm covering like this is the one I'm doing and that would be The Craft. It was released in May of 1996 and it was directed by Andrew Fleming. Now if you have never seen The Craft I'm not going to shun you. You know it 
I get it if you just have never come across it. But if you have come across it and you just haven't watched it because you just didn't want to, yeah, I'm going to shame you because why? The craft is so iconic for so many different reasons. And the crazy thing about it is that film critics did not receive it well when it first came out. But it was so popular amongst teenagers and young women particularly. And so over the years, it's just kind of gained this cult following, you could say. And so before I talk any more, I'm going to go ahead and get into the synopsis so that you all have a little bit of an idea in case you haven't seen it. After transferring, oh, this is coming from Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. After transferring to a Los Angeles high school, Sarah, played by Robin Tooney, finds that her telekinetic gift appeals to a group of three wannabe witches who happen to be seeking a fourth member for their rituals. Bonnie, played by Neve Campbell, Rochelle, played by Rachel True, and Nancy, played by Feruza Balk, like Sarah herself, all have troubled backgrounds which combined with their nascent, nascent, nascent powers lead to dangerous consequences. When a minor spell causes a fellow student to lose her hair, the girls grow power mad. And it all goes tumbling down from there. There's so many great things, truly, about this movie. In terms of just cultural relevance, what it did for horror movies themselves and for black women there's just a lot and I'm so excited to talk about this movie because of everything that this film has led to so why don't we just get into it you know we'll start with the general notes because there's a lot to to talk about this movie it's opening like it's opening week um didn't actually make a lot they had a budget of 15 million dollars i believe and overall gross box revenue ended up being 40 million dollars over their film budget which is absolutely crazy and it's even crazier when you think about just all of what the critics say about it i mean you can look it up on rotten tomatoes one critic says the craft's campy magic often overrides the feminist message at its story's core, but its appealing cast and postmodern perspective still cast a sporadic spell. And, you know, campy, sure. But I just feel like the girls that get it get it, and the girls that don't, don't. That's all that needs to be said. The cast of this movie is actually not the original cast in mind at all. There were a lot of big-named actresses who actually auditioned for this role. Some of the cast members were supposed to play other roles. And so it's just... It, looking into what the audition and casting process was, particularly, just really gives you an insight as to how kind of sporadic the process is. So originally, Angelina Jolie was... She auditioned for the role of Nancy, which Feruza Balk does an amazing job as Nancy. Could Angelina Jolie do it? I don't know. I don't. And it's hard. You know, you can sit here and look at one movie and say, oh, this actress could have also done this. But with Nancy, I feel like Feruza Balk brought just a particular style to it that nobody can match. Um, Alicia Silverstone and Scarlett Johansson also auditioned for this movie. I don't know for what roles, but they were there. In terms of the character of Rochelle, in the script, she was not originally black. But then Rachel True was casted, and that kind of brought a whole new perspective to the character because her storyline was originally about bulimia. Each character has their own troubling past and they're all they're all a little like dark sarah comes from a past of depression suicide and self-harming and then nancy comes from a very troubled just household in general with drunk parents who are abusive and just not loving and warm at all and rochelle she doesn't struggle with anything mentally 
like mental illness specifically but her subplot of dealing with racism and bullying was added after she was after Rachel True was casted as Rochelle and I feel like that brought a whole different conversation into play to this movie and what it meant for teenagers specifically black women in the 90s and we'll get into that in a little bit what's no most notable about this movie is just the cast and their performance this is pre-scream ski ulrich and neve campbell so uh, neve campbell just came off of party of five i believe and ski ulrich i don't know what he did before this but this was they worked on this movie first and then they worked on scream but to think that this probably this film right here was probably what landed them those roles crazy <laughs> exciting um but the cast is heavily applauded for their performances however a lot of critics just disagree with the political messaging which it's a f it's feminist so it's kind of like you don't like women <laughs> you don't like female empowerment okay um they disagree with the narrative and the gimmicky effects but i just feel like the effects were really good for the for their time maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong but there were a lot of effects that go into this if you've seen the ending scene with all those bugs you know what i'm talking about and you know why i say i feel like there was just a lot of effects to be used and they did what they they did what they needed to do that's all to be said there's a lot of themes that play into this movie and the narrative and i wrote down two specific or not two i wrote down three specifically sisterhood peer pressure and liberation but there's also just so many other themes like religion i think religion actually is one of the key players to this movie for obvious reasons <laughs> but you can have a movie about girls who are outsiders or who get bullied or who get taken advantage of whatever and have a revenge plot and then you have jawbreaker or you have you know something similar right but adding the idea of witches on top of that then you have a whole different story to tell and so it's a story about outsiders but outsiders relates to a, a whole different kind of subtext when peter filardi who was the writer of this script along with andrew fleming the director um when asked about just the concept of the narrative itself and how the idea came about peter filardi explained magic has always historically been a weapon of the underclass for poor people he used um old day england as an example he said i think it's much more interesting if the magic comes from an emotional need a situation that really riles up the power within and you know he explained that this could have turned into just a story about these witches who get their powers and just start wrecking havoc and and just using it to use it right but there was a need there and there was they were seeking these powers as a solution to their current problems to get them out of the holes that they felt that they were in he goes on to say that he thinks of this movie as a story about the power of adolescent pain and self-empowerment he thinks of beautiful young people who are just picked upon and put in positions they shouldn't be or don't deserve to be and having the ability to fight back and weather it and survive. And I think that goes well into the theme of religion, sisterhood, and liberation because when I was reading this and when I was reading this interview and I was watching this movie, I just kept considering how they were looking to this spirit, Manon, and they were not only seeking this power for revenge, but for hope and faith. I say that to mean they felt like as soon as they reached Manon and, you know, they expressed their wants and desires and got their problems fixed, 
that their life would be better. Just by casting the spells, just by having the fourth person, um, things started to instantly look up for them. And once they started having a little bit of faith, then things got even progressively better for them. And in terms of religion, that's all religion really is. And that's I feel like that's the root for every religion in the world. We all We all want to turn to something that gives us a sense of um, power and belief and value and hope because this world is so messy and troubling and it can be very upsetting at times. So to cling on to some sort of spirituality or religion kind of helps you to navigate it a lot better and that's why they were turning to witchcraft. There's this parallel going on because they are students at a Catholic school, but they're looking at witchcraft. And I think there are a lot of stories you can find about people who grew up in Christian households, conservative Christian households, or conservative Catholic households, and they then turn to witchcraft. And so you have them kind of giving up these traditional values and societal norms or, you know, familial norms to seek the the hope that they want from a different source and i think that you know goes into the whole liberation theme as well there's so much to talk about about this movie and i really i want to get into it more so first i'll go ahead and just briefly talk over my likes about this movie for all of you who have not seen it um and then we'll get into the spoilers so as i've said before i love this movie (laughs) i just love the i love the fashion i love just the 90s the 90s teen culture and i love the soundtrack like Everything about this movie, wow. If you already if you already can't tell, I I don't have any dislikes. Maybe one. Maybe just one. But my likes definitely outweigh my dislikes. I already said it a little bit before, but I do love the kind of um subtle parallels that happen, like the Catholic school. And it it kind of plays in the background, so like for me, I didn't even realize that they went to a Catholic school until they were at what was it like midday mass or whatever where they were in the um they they went to the chapel on the campus and I was like oh my god no they're literally in they're catholic school people (laughs) and I don't I mean they wear uniforms throughout the movie so maybe it was just a detail that I wholly missed but I think that it does pose very important questions in terms of Religion, following what's expected of you, and also diverging from that path of what's expected of you. I There's other Easter eggs as well that I want to talk about, but they would be spoilers. So, I can't say that. But, once you listen to this part and you go and you watch the movie, definitely come back. I also absolutely love Nancy's character. If you've been on TikTok for the past, I'd say, year and a half... You've probably heard her monologue from about halfway through the movie. Um, Her character is very, very powerful to the narrative in terms of femininity and the harm that women find within the world. The thing about Nancy is that the things that happen to her or, you know, her trauma you're kind of only left to infer from what's going on. So it's never outright said. And it's all through her reactions and her dialogue and her facial expressions that you really kind of grasp what happened to her without being 100% sure that that's what happened to her. I also love the character of Rochelle and what she brought to the story. Had Rachel True not been casted, I don't think we would have gotten such a meaningful story about racism and 
we wouldn't have gotten that kind of representation at the moment that we got. The 90s, I feel like, were very, very important for Black people in general because you had all of the different sitcom shows going on and you had more and more Black movies coming out that were that were particularly targeted towards teens and young adults. But I think Black people have been excluded from certain fictional genres for a really long time particularly fantasy and sci-fi and I've talked about it you know back my um, philosophy of black horror specifically about how you know we don't have a lot of black vampires and even in books the all of the different fantasy books were in the last six years I would say we're seeing more and more fantasy books with black characters centered so the character of Rachel really is important of showcasing the raw truth of racism and just how subtle it can come, you know? There are certain lines that are spoken by a um, white female character, and it starts by, you know, subtle microaggressions, and then it escalates to just blatant racism when Rachel True was talking about the movie and the crafting of her character she even explained how she's had people say those exact words to her that the white character in the craft says to her character though it helped her get more into her character and able to produce those emotional reactions it's also just like how far is fiction from reality in this case? In a lot of cases, but particularly this case. Now, Rachel True, I think, has always been very, very vocal about how this movie has been influential for Black girls and women, but also just her treatment as a cast member. And I haven't looked too deep into how the cast itself treated her, but I know in terms of publicity tours and stuff like that she would often be excluded from it she also explained in an interview that i watched how feruza balk is one of her greatest friends she explained um but when they were actually filming they weren't very close because she was actually told to stay away from her she was told i don't know if it was from her her managers or directors or whoever it was But she was told that she could get in trouble for hanging out with her because the things that Feruza was doing could, you know, give her a slap on the hand, but Rachel could be fired for doing it. You know, she she was pretty much told, don't do the things that white girls are doing because you can get in more trouble for doing that. And that was the reality for black actors and actresses in predominantly white spaces in Hollywood. I mean, which all of Hollywood is is and has been predominantly white for a really long time. We're seeing that change now. At the time that this movie was being filmed, it was still very much a predominantly white space. And I remember being in high school or middle school or something and looking up, you know, like black characters. For, you know, like for Instagram profile pictures. This is the Gen Z in me. If you're not Gen Z and you're listening to this, you know, you just had to be there. (laughs) You won't understand. You just had to be there. But we would make characters our, like, Instagram profile pictures. And so I was looking up, you know, black horror characters or black cartoon characters and stuff like that. And so I, the, the options truly were limited cartoons not so much because i think i I really don't know why you found more black cartoon characters than actual like live action characters but when you look up live action characters you didn't get you didn't get that many options but rochelle rachel true was always there so i her being vocal about her experience but also what that role has meant to her i know has inspired a lot of black actresses specifically and so she's really just made a mark on on hollywood when it comes to when it comes to the black community and i love her for that
I also do like how this movie is listed as horror, but it's not the witchcraft itself that's the horror. And I liked that take on it because I think when you think of a horror movie that involves witchcraft, it's they're summoning the devil and then, you know, whatever, whatever, which is still so false. With this movie, the real horror comes into play when they do have their powers, but they're taking advantage and they're kind of losing control of themselves. And they feel like they're on they're on the top of the world. But in reality, it's, you know, they even say it in the movie, what you put on, what you put out in the world will come back to you three times as harder. They don't say it exactly like that. They say it a little bit cooler, but I just can't think of the right phrasing right now. But anyways, yeah, they, you know, that's their kind of motto. They summon men on and they get their powers and they start using it to seek revenge. But they end up going beyond the revenge plot, you know, and they just start realizing that they can get away with so much and they can really do whatever they want. But that's just not how the world works. That's not how the law of the universe works. And they soon realize that and they find that out. But and that's the true horror aspect of it, because I think it's a scary thought to have when you realize that what you do po- what you do put out in the world will come back to you eventually. And that can be positive, that can be negative, you know? If you put negativity out into the world, it's going to come back and hit you three times harder. If you put good in the world, it's going to come back and hit you three times harder. So it's it's kind of like a a rule to apply to your life. You know, if you're someone who always constantly is just like down and out and um bullying other people talking down other people and then you watch this movie i can assume you might you might be a little scared you might be shivering in your pants a little bit because you're like wow i'm no better than these people and look what's happening look what's happening to them of course it's all a metaphor but still that is those are all my likes i would say i really don't have any dislikes either quite honestly i i'm trying to think but i don't i think this movie has the same aura as those coming of age boys films and a lot of people on the internet have been like talking about how they have gender envy when it comes to those movies because they're like i just always have wished that i could be a 13 year old boy just being able to go out and do whatever ride your bike to the creek and hang out with your friends all day and then come home but it's it's different for women and little girls because of there's a there's a fear aspect to it but also just kind of like a gender expectation thing as well but this movie i think has the same kind of energy as those coming of age teenage boy movies where they take the bus and they go to this meadow and they just sit and hang out all day and you know summon the spirits <laughs> i mean and that conversation is a little bit more chronically online i would say you don't really have that conversation with too many people in person but i think that is an aspect of this movie that is kind of overlooked how it's giving us what those coming of age teenage boy movies have been giving teenage boys for years i do wish that they had used the familiars a little bit more with the plot and if you've never watched the movie i familiars are animals that witches use to like help them cast spells i think i mean i think it depends there's all kinds of different meanings to familiars like if you watch chilling adventures of sabrina that idea of a familiar is different from like what we do in the shadows but each one of the girls in this movie has one familiar that they 
bring to summon men on they used the familiars as symbolism throughout the movie but i just i've wished that it was a little bit more saturated with it i guess and that's really just me searching for something to dislike <laughs> if you have not watched this movie and you don't want it to be spoiled now would be the time to click off i do recommend this movie to anyone looking to kind of understand the horror movie genre a little bit better who wants to understand just the history of cinema itself and you can say that's an exaggeration but i really don't think so i think this movie does have it's considered a sleeper hit which means you know when it first came out it a lot of people were not it wasn't a hard hitter but the longer that it kind of sat with people a lot more people ended up loving it and now you know it has such a huge fan base and it's been an inspiration for so many things so i think to better understand particularly just the history of women in film as well i think this is an important movie to watch and the production of it doing movies about religion spirituality witchcraft can be a touchy subject and so you want to approach it in a delicate and mindful way so that you don't upset your target audience i would say i think that they did a very good job i have seen some things on tiktok where it's like quote unquote real witches watch the craft and they you know talk about it or whatever but they did have a real i don't know what she considers herself to be but she was knowledgeable and practiced a form of witchcraft and they had her on set she wrote the incantations that they recited in the movie and she made sure that everything was delivered in a respectable manner for you know the witchcraft community so i think even just as a film production crew taking that little bit into consideration and doing your best to portray this story and this lifestyle and belief system is respectable i went on a little bit more of a tangent but i'm serious this time if you do not want this movie spoiled and you have yet to watch it go watch it um i'll keep your seat warm for you you'll come back i'll have a snack for you and we can continue this lovely conversation because you do not want to miss it. So, it's been great talking to you, but you have to go now. Now, if you are still here because you have watched this movie or you are just one of those people who want things to be spoiled for them, by all means, I am no person to judge. Let's get into it, y'all. I, I talked a lot, you know, in the beginning. I talked a lot. So I'll just go more in depth with my likes because there were some things that I couldn't quite say without spoiling it. I don't think it'll be very long, to be honest, because not a lot of these things are spoilers. But anyways, my first like, I really did like the racism subplot. It depicts the petty bullying that Bonnie would encounter, Sarah has encountered, or even Nancy has encountered but it i think it adds a different layer on top of it when you include the use of microaggressions and racism the way that they phrase laura's sentences is very reflective of the way that people really talk i mean i said it before how rachel true had mentioned in an interview where she's had her hair compared to pubic hair before because of just the curl pattern of her hair and i think you're a stupid kid and you're saying these things to people you're just you know it i don't know for sure whether you see it the same way as the things that you say to other people when you're bullying them i don't know what a bully's mind looks like but it there's definitely an extra there's an extra dagger to it you know and when you're hit with words like that it it's so much different from just being called fat or 
being, you know, being made fun of for your acne or anything like that. Statements about your hair that's different from your predominantly white school is racially motivated. Even after Rochelle goes up to Laura and is like, why are you doing this to me? And Laura says, I don't like Negroids. Hello? Excuse me? How are you saying that so proudly? Granted, it's a predominantly white school, so I'm not surprised. But I also think that speaks to how largely white spaces can protect people like that and not protect the marginalized people that they also are hosting in them. In the same interview that I was watching with Rachel True when she was, you know, reminiscing about her craft days, she was talking about how in the scene where she finds Laura literally losing her hair in the shower, she recalls how she was a little conflicted on how to display that emotion. You know, she talked about how she could have been gleeful and she could have been excited because, yay, her spell worked and, you know, she's getting her revenge that, she, that she's that she been wanting. But instead, she chose to portray a more troubled emotion because, yeah, you're getting the revenge that you want, but she realizes that she's no longer there's nothing really that that makes her better than the people who are hurting her because in the end she's hurting them in the same way which I would disagree with that I don't know I just feel like if you make fun of my hair and you call it pubic hair and on top of that you call me a negroid yeah you can you can lose every single follicle of your hair I will have no remorse whatsoever. I think that there's a, there's a difference in like witnessing karma hit somebody and being like, well, that's what happens when you're racist. But when you're manipulating karma itself and you're causing things like you are the maker of karma, I think there's probably a different sense of guilt with it. Maybe, of course, I wouldn't know because I don't have those powers. I can understand why she went that route, and I think it it's respectable in the sense that anybody else probably would have portrayed that emotion as gleeful, and they would have been like, oh my gosh, it worked, I'm so excited, da-da-da-da-da, um, but showing that troubled emotion kind of throws you off as an audience member. I, I remember watching it and just thinking, like, why is she acting that way? That is so strange but I think it also speaks to the way that yeah she wants to seek her revenge and she wants to be liberated from the stereotypes and the racism and all of these different things that are really weighing her down from being just who she wants to be and feeling comfortable in her own skin but at the same time she's not willing to disregard her humanity in the process and you see that at the end when bonnie and her are walking through the hallway in sarah's house and they pass by the mirror and they see that in the mirror their image reflects the weights that were once holding them down so bonnie has scars all over her face and rachel her hair is falling out and that kind of scares them and causes them to run away because they're like you know this is not what I want for myself. And I don't, like, I'm putting all of this negative energy out and I don't want it, you know, falling back onto me. So I'm done. Which Nancy's just like, yeah, no, we're finishing this. Like, I'm I'm gonna see this through. So speaking of Nancy, that brings me to my na- my next like. I really did love Nancy's character. And I think that, Within this coven and within this movie, you see the characters display a great deal of vulnerability with each other. Bonnie, she she covers herself up at school and she's very closed off to other people because her scars make her self-conscious. But when she's with the other girls, she's able to strip down a little bit more. And when they're casting the spell to get rid of her scars, she 
is she's not stripped down but her skin is bare so that they can you know cast the spell over the skin and she's just kind of like reciting back to back to back take my scars men on please take my scars and seeing the way that nancy is reacting to bonnie kind of you know begging this spirit seeing the other two girls as well kind of just watch what's happening and you know sarah is also put in that place of vulnerability and she reveals her past with her mother and with her suicide and everything else and rachel also you know drops the veil and she becomes vulnerable about how she just wants the racism to stop and everything like that but nancy doesn't really i mean from what i can recall she doesn't really share what's troubling her with the other girls when they're all sitting in a circle and they're you know kind of like putting their intentions out into the world before drinking the wine all of the girls say take my scars or i want this boy to like me or you know i want to seek revenge on racist white women but she just kind of says i want all of the power of men on and in that moment they don't really they don't understand it they're just like that's all um what do you mean that's all because that like when i heard that i was like she literally wants all of the power like she literally wants world domination that is what she's seeking what do you mean that's all no that's not all and you're gonna find out soon enough (laughs) and you can also kind of see her intentions because they're subtly shown through her dialogue in that moment particularly but also when they're on the beach summoning Menon and they're doing their incantation I forgot what the exact phrasing is but it's something of like I'm here with my sister or like with my sisters we da 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 and so all of them say it that way but she says with my sisters I and Bonnie has to correct her and say we and then she kind of like changes it to we but you see within that dialogue she's really only focused on what she wants and she's very self-driven which all of them have their own desired outcomes right but nancy preaches covenhood sisterhood you know like kind of like we're in this together you can't leave your coven and yet she's very individualistically minded she's very focused on what she's gonna get out of it and it you know and eventually leads to her demise so you you don't know really what she's troubled with and once they do cast the spell and all of the girls spells are starting to work except for nancy's she starts to kind of get a little bit frustrated and when the girls kind of question it rochelle is like i don't know i I, they're like what you know what did she even wish wish for and rochelle's like i don't know i guess she just wants to be like not white trash (laughs) which isn't funny (laughs) you do see her life start to look up in terms of she's no longer living in a trailer and her stepdad is no longer around and everything like that but i think there's also she wants to have power because there was a moment in which she had no power at all and that's not outright said it's just something you infer she doesn't constantly talk about Chris, but she brings him up pretty frequently. Or when he is brought up, her reaction is very telling. When Chris first meets Sarah, they're like staring at all three girls and he's giving her the rundown of who they are. And he's like, that one on the right is a, is a big slut. Okay. Once they're all at the party and Nancy is posing as Sarah and trying to seduce chris she says as as nancy before she transforms into sarah she tells chris you know oh i remember we had some pretty fun times and some pretty hot ones and chris just kind of acts disgusted by her 
and Chris just pushes her off of him, and he's like, and, you know, she's, like, talking about how Sarah doesn't, you know, want him, but she'll have him, whatever. And he's like, you're just jealous. And Nancy is like, jealous? Jealous? You don't even exist to me. You don't exist. You are nothing. And she just keeps going on and on and on about how the only way you know how to treat women is by treating them like whores. Well, you're the whore, and that's going to stop. Do you understand? Hmm? And he says, I'm sorry. And she's like, oh, he's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's sorry. He's, he's sorry. And she just keeps going, going. And the emotion that she puts into it and the deliverance of it and the words she's using and everything else that you know that, you know, she's said and the way she's acted before, you just feel like maybe he did something to her similar to what he did to Sarah but maybe even worse. And so she has this trauma and she's been looking forward to the day that she got the chance to have this moment with him. And I think there's a reason why maybe none of the other girls know. There's a part of her that might be ashamed. We're still having conversations about rape culture and victim blaming and that sort of thing was absolutely terrible <laughs> before I would say 2018. And because uh, I remember after 2018, those conversations started to get a lot heavier in terms of just the way that we had them and the results of them. And so before 2018, if someone were to say, oh, they got sexually assaulted, it was probably because they were dressed a certain way or they were acting a certain way. And it's like, that's never the case. <laughs> and so it makes sense for Nancy to kind of be fearful of opening up about something like this, no matter how close she may feel to these girls. It's one of those things that you just never know how someone may react to it. And you would much rather just keep it to yourself and deal with it yourself. At least at the time that this movie was taking place. I, I like the way that the character of Nancy is crafted because of that mystery to her. And then at the end, she really does... She, there was always kind of this villainous characteristic to her. But at the end, she really does show that villain side to her and she just lets it loose i think in terms of themes it it goes to sisterhood and peer pressure a little bit because sarah was in a very vulnerable position to start with she was new to school she was looking for friends and these girls kind of they didn't very much warmly welcome her at first but once she warmed up to them and them her, it was like she was she was locked in. And they used that to manipulate her a little bit. They also talk about how if a witch ever left her coven, she would be executed or something like that. And they, they really do kind of fearmonger Sarah into staying friends with them. Nancy was also peer pressuring Rochelle, peer pressuring Bonnie to bully Sarah into staying in their coven and doing what they wanted. And Sarah and Rochelle broke that cycle in the end. Not by much, but still just a little bit. The ending scene was foreshadowed throughout the movie, at least twice, I would say. And that it goes back to my conversation about their familiars because Nancy's familiar was a snake. And in the beginning, before Sarah even meets these girls... She's moving into her new house, and this man just shows up on her doorstep with a snake. And, he, you know, he's like, it's like, I found this in your backyard. Do you want it? And she gets absolutely terrified. And then when she's hanging out with the girls, I think for maybe the first time, she runs into the same man, and he's holding a snake. And he was like, he's like, I have something to tell you. I had a dream about you. You're in danger. And she's not listening to him because she's scared. And so this man with this snake is kind of foreshadowing her conflict resolution at the end with Nancy. And so I liked how that how, I liked how the snake was used. Rochelle's butterflies are also used more particularly in fashion, 
more than anything she wears um she wears a butterfly top at one point and they're also surrounded by butterflies i think during their first real like incantation ceremony thing that they have going on yeah i just i just really wish it was they took advantage of them a little bit more that's really all that's that's all i have for my likes and that's all the all the things i have to go in depth about it and like i said i don't really have any dislikes besides just the lack of use of the familiars i think they could have been used to not necessarily drive the plot but they could have just been used more as symbolism in clothing and in backgrounds and stuff like that i hope this episode has convinced you to watch the craft again or watch it for the first time if you're still listening and you haven't watched it but you just wanted to listen to listen i hope it has convinced you to give it a watch or watch it again with a different perspective and a different outlook on it because that's all i really ever want to happen to all my listeners who um take in what i have to say in these episodes i on letterboxd at the time i've not at the time that i'm recording this episode i have not rated it but you know what we're gonna do a live rating ceremony right now so um i'm on letterboxd and i think i'm gonna rate this movie i'll rate it a four and a half stars out of five and i'll add a little comment or two as well for your viewing if you want now there are some great movies coming up on my to-do list this month so definitely check out my instagram at the unbound cinefem pod you can also find me on Twitter at Unbound Cinefem. And then, of course, my letterbox is Avery C O F. All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode. I always appreciate my listeners supporting me, listening to me. Um, if you have a movie that you would like for me to give a watch, give a review, I can definitely do that, whether that's as an episode or just on my Instagram itself. I want to know what movies and shows you all are watching. So you can always reach out to me on any social media platform. And I will be there, square, and ready to talk. Once again, thank you so, so much. And I'll catch you next episode.